Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. I hope you've been having a great week so far. It seems like the rain has finally subsided and we might be getting some sunshine this weekend, hopefully here in SoCal. Anaheim has now completed five of their eight games in this current homestand that they're on. And the team fell to the Calgary Flames on Tuesday night, five to one at Honda Center. This was their second loss this week in the two games that they have played. But a positive from this game was that it was a big night for new Ducks signee Nikita Nestorenko, who made his NHL debut. Always so special to see a player make his debut and take that solo lap. Nestorenko had four shots on goal in the game and had some great energy on his line. He had just over 13 minutes of ice time, and I spoke with him after the game about the exciting night that he had. So your NHL debut, Nikita, coming into this game, who did you talk to beforehand to kind of get you mentally ready for this night? Um, the only person I really talked to was my dad. He flew in last night. Um, we kind of grabbed some lunch together today. So, um, yeah, kind of trying to turn my phone off, um, not talk to too many people. Just, uh, yeah, my dad just said, good luck, have fun, don't overthink it. So... It's good to just talk to him a little bit, see what he was thinking. Yeah. Did you keep your game routine, your pregame routine, the same? Yeah, I always try to keep it the same. Um, there's the timing here is a little different with all the meetings and stuff. So, but yeah, just trying to do the same pregame routine, kind of stretch, um, do my thing, and yeah, it's pretty similar. What kind of emotions did you feel taking your lap? Uh, yeah, just trying to focus on not falling, not uh, missing the net. <laughs> That was the main thing, but yeah, it was uh, quicker than I thought it would be. Just get a couple shots and the guys were out there. So yeah, it was special. And you were on a line with Lundestrom and Silverberg. How was it playing with the two of them? Uh, yeah, it made my job way easier. Obviously two really good players. Um, Lundy can skate. Um, he's really good at breaking the pucks out. Um, and then Sylvie's, he's an established vet. He plays the game the right way, has really good habits. So just kind of talking to him. He was telling me what's where he's going to be in the D zone and the O zone, make my job easier. So, yeah, it's I was super grateful to have started with them for sure. And you had some chances on the net, some shots, and especially in that second period, that double shot chance mm -hmm. there. I'm sure you wanted those to go in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just kind of going in the net. Um, that's what the coaches were telling me to do. That's what I was focusing on. The puck bounced out to me, and then I didn't have enough real estate to get it up, and that goalie's big big boy so um yeah I want those two back but yeah just when you go to the net good things happen so I'm gonna keep focusing on that in the next couple of games Calgary was certainly a good first opponent to play against in the NHL you know playing against some of the guys that are very notable names around the league too you know what was that like for you uh yeah Calgary's a good team they got some good players obviously my first shift um I got I get a rim on the wall their D pinches on me I don't even have time to look up and then yeah, it's in the back of the net. So that was a wake-up call, but um, something I can learn from. I'm definitely going to watch it, watch the film, and, yeah, just get better on the wall play for sure. Overall, in coming here to Anaheim, how has it been for you just settling in and just being excited to be a part of this organization? 
Yeah, um, it's a great organization. It's in a great spot, and I'm I've never been to California, so this is mm. interesting Welcome. for me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's uh, it's been good. Um, but yeah, um, the guys have been great. I'm super excited to have this last stretch here. Just kind of taking everything in, learning from these guys. They're all super great. They're great players. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been exciting. Nikita, congratulations on your first game and welcome to Anaheim. Thank you. I appreciate it. So aside from Nestorenko making his debut, let's get to AD's takeaways now from the game. The lines were changed up a bit in this one with Frank Vetrano taking the top spot with Trevor Zegris and Ryan Strom. And then Brock McGinn went down to be with Max Comtois and Derek Grant on the fourth line. So a couple changes heading into that one. And the Flames really seemed to take advantage of the beginning of this game. They got on the board just 30 seconds in, which was a bad start for the Ducks. The team just wasn't getting into a rhythm throughout the game, it felt like. And it's been a sign of some inconsistency that we've seen in their play. It seemed like the team was trending only upward and then they've had a couple down bad games and this was another one of them. But knowing that the Calgary Flames came out strong as they work to continue trying to get into that Western wildcard spot. Now in the third period, Troy Terry went to the locker room. It looked like he might've got hit in the head a little bit and head coach Dallas Akins confirmed with us that it was a spotter that pulled him off the ice, but he should be all ready to go for Thursday night's game. And the Ducks went one for three on the power play, continuing with some of their special team struggles. Frank Petrano getting the lone goal in the game and that came on the power play as a part of that second unit. They played quite a bit during the power play opportunities that the Ducks had. He was one of the players that was really hustling in this game. On the other side, though, the penalty kill went three for five, giving up two goals as a part of that. Now, the Ducks only had two shots in the third period as a part of their 20 total shots on goal. So, like I said, just not a great game for the team. Calgary really out skating them and putting a lot of shots on John Gibson and net who had 43 shots that he faced and he stopped 38 of them. The ducks continue hosting Canadian teams this week as the Winnipeg jets are next on the list as their opponent for Thursday night. That is tonight. But let's broaden our view and take a look at the NHL as a whole with coast to coast. Now, to listen to goal calls from around the league. Only two NHL games on Wednesday night, and one of them was the Edmonton Oilers and Arizona Coyotes. Connor McDavid netted his 59th and 60th goals of the season as a part of the Oilers' 4-3 overtime win. He is now the fastest player to 60 goals since Mario Lemieux did in the 1995-96 season. But the Coyotes did keep it close throughout this game trading goals with Edmonton despite only having 17 shots on goal throughout the whole game the Oilers did go two for four on the power play with McDavid's first goal coming on the man advantage but his 60th came on a back-to-back breakaway where the first shot was stopped but Dreisaitl was able to set him up again for the second one and complete the game Edmonton now has five wins in a row. Their success is just really rolling through right now. And Chad Radio 6.30 a.m. shared the call of his winner. Balamaki threw to Boyd. He gave it away to Drysaddle. Breakaway pass to McDavid. Here's McDavid off the post. And it comes over to the boards. And Boyd gets dumped down. McDavid again got it from Drysaddle. Scott! 
then the second game on Wednesday was between the Pittsburgh Penguins and Colorado Avalanche with Pittsburgh getting a 5-2 win at Ball Arena as they continue to hang on to their wildcard spot in the East. Sidney Crosby netted the first goal of the game and for the Penguins in the second period as he took it into the zone, faked out defenseman Sam Girard, and then took the puck to the net. Crosby is now the 10th player in NHL history to record 11 30-goal seasons with one franchise. The win also broke Colorado's six-game win streak. Listen to the call of Crosby's goal from Josh Getzoff. JT Comfer watches the Pens come back in. Crosby dangles around Gerard. Backhand shot. He scores! Oh, mile-high magic from the captain. A dart on the backhand over the right shoulder of Georgiev. And the Penguins get the first goal in this one. It's 1-0 Pittsburgh. Now let's go back to Tuesday night. Two very competitive playoff teams gearing up for the postseason. The Minnesota Wild and New Jersey Devils faced off on Tuesday night at the Prudential Center. And this was a close game throughout. No goals until the third period, but there were plenty of shots on net as well as blocked shots. The Devils put up 48 pucks on net. And it ended up being Matt Boldy for the Wild, who had the overtime winner with just 1.3 seconds remaining. This was a thrilling ending between the two teams. And this was Boldy's 23rd goal of the season, coming off a three-goal hat trick that he had in the previous game on Sunday. Joe O'Donnell has the call of Boldy's winner. With Zuccarello bearing in, Vanacek will backhand it along to the left side. 33 seconds to go in overtime. Meyer cutting through center ice. He has the Devils only goal. Here's Timo Meyer darting in, trying to work past Boldy. Boldy knocked him down, stealing on that centering feed, and the Wild have it. It's Boldy with Klingberg. 20 seconds to go in overtime. A two-on-one. Boldy in left circle. Took a shot. Vanacek made the stick save. Hughes trying to counter. Klingberg trying to catch him. Jack Hughes over the blue line, cutting to the high slot. Nearly got knocked down. The fire one off the goal post. And Boldy's got it. Five seconds left on a breakaway. Can Boldy win it? In a Last game in today's Coast to Coast, the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the New York Rangers also on Tuesday night. Two very competitive teams facing off at Madison Square Garden. The Hurricanes did best the Rangers in this one going 3-2 to two and rallying for three goals in the third period. Tavo Teravainen netted the go-ahead goal with two minutes and 33 seconds left off a pass from Brent Burns. Burns has 41 assists this season, the most for the Hurricanes on their team right now, having a great year. This win was their 10th third-period comeback win of the season to reach the 100-point mark this year. It also marked the first season in franchise history that the Canes had at least 10 similar victories. Hear the call from Mike Maniscalco, who had the winner. Kokaniemi, he'll drop it for Martinuk. Now Lindgren, he'll lose his skates and Kokaniemi will pick up the puck. He'll take a peek, spin it back for Burns. Burns walks his way in front, they score! What a setup! Brent Burns to Tavo Teravainen! And the Canes with 2.33 in the third, take a 3-2 lead. As the home games roll on for the Ducks, we welcome on Paul Edmonds today ahead of the Ducks and Jets game at Honda Center. 
Paul shares a look into how Winnipeg is looking for some consistency at this point in their season ahead of the playoffs. And we also dive into the incredible season that Josh Morrissey is having on the blue line, getting some points. Take a listen. Joining Light the Lamp now is the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Edmonds. Paul, how are you doing today? They're real good. Uh, I wish I could say that the sun was shining in California, but it's not. <laughs> we got off the plane yesterday. We're like, what's going on here? <laughs> Coming from the snow and it was a little windy and a little overcast and a little rainy, but we'll take that over uh, the icy conditions we still have at home. Yeah, this is the third and final meeting between the two teams this season, but the first in Anaheim at Honda Center. Uh, how has it been to get out here to California to kick off this road trip for you guys? Well, I mean, this is interesting because only like a week and a half ago, we were in Florida and mm -hmm. then we were back home for one. And then we were we were down to Nashville and St. Louis for two and back home for one again and then out to the West Coast. So it's just part of where you are located in the continent. We're right smack dab in the middle. So the league seems to feel they can put us out to the West Coast, out to the East Coast, back in the middle. And sometimes we'll go to one of the coasts again. I've seen that over the course of my nine full-time seasons. So we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, the games have been close against the Ducks. And mm -hmm. we haven't been here, Alexis, since October of 2021. So mm. it's been a long time because um, you may or may not recall that the series last year, the three games between the two Western Conference teams was done in the month of October. They played three times in the first month and then they were finished. So I didn't see the Ducks for a long time after that until this year with the previous two games. And now we're going to be done in March, but we haven't been in, in Southern California for a long time. Well, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Well, the Jets are also in a very crucial point in their season, holding on to a wild card spot right now. How have they been able to stay competitive in this final stretch? Well, I think that probably when you have a veteran laden lineup, you know the feel of this is in your command and you're in control of your pathway. Um, so they've done enough. Let's just say this. They've done enough to hold on to what they have. Now, it did slip. I mean, there was a point prior to uh, the all-star players break where this team was challenging for first, not only in their own division, but in the conference. Mm -hmm. And now they've slipped into a wild card spot. I mean, they tailspin quite, uh, quite badly coming out of the break. And, and now they've got what they have, and that's a four point lead on Calgary and a five point lead on Nashville for the last wild card spot. Now they're equal with Calgary in the number of games played, but they still give up three games to Nashville who have three games in hand, which are only good if you win them, of course. Mm -hmm. But the secret has been for this team to hold on to what they have, as I mentioned, and we'll see what happens. And they just need to limit sort of the, the, the view of a three-game road trip and just mm -hmm. start with tonight against Anaheim. And I know it's certainly cliche, but it does it is applicable to this team. It is tonight and tonight only the one game that you need to worry about and the two points on the line. And don't worry about Los Angeles on Saturday afternoon or San Jose next week. Worry about this here tonight. But to answer your question succinctly, it's been a veteran group that's been through this before. And I think that through that, they've had some aplomb in when the time has kind of gone away from them and they haven't scored enough goals and they've lost a little bit of confidence. It's the veterans that are trying to drag this group along and say, hey, we're still in a good spot. 
Now, with that group, they have had some ups and downs, and they're working to find that consistency, it seems. How has that leadership helped the team in that direction towards finding that consistency in this stretch? Well, I think you really rely on your leaders in a time like this, you know, when you're not scoring goals and it's the anatomy of a slump. I mean, you're not scoring five on five. You're not getting your power play to score. So it's not helping your five on five. So what are you trying to do that you're doing well? And let's build on that. And that's what's probably been the message throughout the course of their uh, their, their slump here. But they're working their way through it and they're getting a little bit better. They're five, four and one in their last 10. Mm-hmm. And that's the the older guys that are saying we've been through this before. If we're really good at our penalty kill, let's do a good job on that. If we've got our bottom two lines really going, let's build off of those guys and let's get the top guys kick-started. Or if somebody scores a big goal, let's try to kind of work off of that. So, you know, they're they're saying the right things. I don't see a lot of panic. That's the other thing about mm-hmm. having a, a room that's not full of young guys. There's not a lot of panic here uh, when it comes to not producing the results that they would have liked and where they have fallen from. Um, it comes to guys like Blake Wheeler, even though he's not wearing the C anymore, he still has a presence in that room. Josh Morris, he's having a Norris type season <laughs> this year on the back end. And I mean, he wears a letter. Adam Lowry is a consummate pro. His father played a long time in the National Hockey League. So there's that lineage there. Um, Brendan Dillon's another guy that's been around. Nate Schmidt. I mean, we got all these guys that have been around the National Hockey League for 10, 11, 12 years. So they know how to kind of put this together and and feel what's going to happen when it comes to the ups and downs of the National Hockey League. And certainly this hasn't been a team like the Boston Bruins that have seemingly just gone through the year without a problem. They've had some (laughs) issues. But I, I think one of the things that they talk about, Alexis, is, okay, well, let's go through this now as opposed to maybe in the middle of April or at the end of April when we want to win games consistently and try to move along. So we'll see if they can kind of navigate through this. You know, they've got uh, 10 games left, still plenty of time. We'll see what happens tonight. Josh Morrissey, a name that you just mentioned, or as you guys have been referring to him, Norrissey as well. Second in the NHL in blue liners and points this season. Um, This is his best year, it seems. Why? What has been the difference for him this year? Well, there's been a lot of things, and you have to look over the course of his career. When he came out of major junior hockey, he was an offensive guy. But I wouldn't call him undersized at six feet, but he's not six foot three and he's not six foot four. So he's not that burly sort of physical defenseman just by stature. And he had to learn how to play the defensive side of the game first because he probably wasn't going to stick if he was up the ice all night and he was a dash four every night, despite the fact that he might be putting a couple of points on the board. So he learned how to play the defensive side of the game. And then he started to add on a little bit of offense and a little bit of poise with the puck. And then from there, this isn't something that's just turned around on him this year. We have seen a slow build toward this over the last couple of years. Uh, One of the biggest influence, I think, for him was he played with Dustin Bufflin when he first came up. And Bufflin was kind of a unicorn of defensemen, right? He was one of one. He was a, a defensive shutdown guy that also had the ability to put points on the board. And Josh just stayed back and watched him and was the anchor for Dustin to go up the ice. And now... Josh has kind of got that, certainly, with Dylan DeMello. And this has been something that's progressed over the last couple of years. And I really like Josh's game. You'll be able to watch him tonight. And there's a little bit of that more 
um, confidence with the puck to hang on to it for that extra half a second. And sometimes if you hang on to it for that extra half a second, make a little bit of an east-west fake, it'll buy you a little more time to make a play and make the play off your stick that usually results in an offensive play or a good pass that gets you up the ice. And that's what he's been doing. But yet he hasn't compromised any of that for defending inside of his own zone. Not only that, but still, I mean, takes the man, still blocks shots, doing all the things that you want your defenseman to do in the National Hockey League these days. And he can play in all situations. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's over 24 minutes per game, mm-hmm. by far the most on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll get a lot of votes uh, out of uh, the city of Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba and maybe over the course of Western Canada as well for for maybe the top defenseman of the year, Eric Carlson up the road is, mm-hmm. I think, going to be the guy that's the, the front runner. But that begs the argument. I mean, what truly is your best defenseman? Is it just points in an offensive guy or a guy that can keep the puck out of the net as well and defend, plus put the points on the board and be a two-fold defenseman? I guess time will tell with the Writers Association of the National Hockey League. Paul, who is another guy this season that has made the jump for the Jets? Well, I think that one of the guys that you're kind of really looking at certainly is a Morgan Barron. And while the offensive numbers aren't flashy, this is a guy that was traded in the Andrew Kopp deal that went to the New York Rangers last year at the deadline. Then you got the first round pick plus. And the plus was Morgan Barron. And Morgan's a big body that all of a sudden has started to find some confidence. He's still under 100 games in the National Hockey League. But he's getting up the ice with a little more speed. There doesn't seem to be that hesitation in a game anymore for a young player. I think sometimes young players think and don't react. And you've always heard that from coaches. Don't think, just react to the game. You know how to play it. Mm-hmm. Well, young guys come in and they're thinking too much about where they need to be and if they need to make that perfect pass. This guy has seemed to, to play a little less with a leash on in the last little while. I really like his game. He's on the fourth line, but it's not because of anything that he's doing and not because of them not having him in a high regard. I think he'll play higher in the lineup as he goes along. But Morgan Barron, for me, has been a guy that has really progressed nicely this year, and we'll see where he gets to in the next couple of years. Um, but he got in a fight the other night. He's a left-hander. We asked him about that. He <laughs> didn't want to comment on it, but it was his first in the National Hockey League. He defended himself. So all of a sudden, and the reason I mentioned that is because he's become kind of more rounded, well-rounded mm. when it comes to his game. He's played as much as on the third line. He's played some penalty kill. Very responsible, very good player, and uh, a real good asset, a young asset for the Winnipeg Jets right now. He's one of those guys uh, that I, I've enjoyed kind of watching and the growth of his game this year. Well, the last time Anaheim met the Jets this season was way earlier on, a couple months ago at this point. What's been the difference from the Winnipeg team then to the, at this point now? Well, I think at that point, the Winnipeg Jets were feeling pretty good about themselves, <laughs> right? You know, they were rolling right. along as suggested and uh, they were challenging for not only top spot in their division, but uh, to maybe kind of be one of the top two teams in the league and top spot in the Western Conference. Well, right now they're still trying to find it and and hang on to to that grip on the rope. And that's the difference. It's a bit of a different team. And still with the 10-game the block that they have remaining in the regular season, they're trying to get back to that. So there's a little bit of a difference in how they're playing, the consistency of their game, um, they're not scoring goals at will like they did certainly early in the year. 
they've defended fairly well. I mean, when you've got a world-class goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, you usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a little bit different than the start of the year when the Ducks saw them. And uh, the one thing that's going to be interesting tonight is this is not unlike what Winnipeg has seen with regularity over the course of the last few games of the schedule. They played St. Louis recently, a team that is not going to the playoffs, but played them hard and beat them 3 nothing. They just kind of got out by the you know, the the hair on their uh, chinny-chin-chin here uh, against Arizona, beating them 2-1 in the last game before they traveled here. Arizona's looking to next year country and playing for some pride and for some jobs next year. Same thing with Anaheim. So you're going to see some some teams right now, and you are, and you're going to get another one tonight that are a little bit fast and loose and, and playing with not a lot of parameters and maybe have some fun, like almost a <laughs> shinny game. So the key for them will be to stay in structure and make sure that they manage that. But it's been a different team since the start of the year year till now. And they're trying to chase what they were doing at the start of the year right now going into the playoffs, if they get there. Winnipeg is deep down the center. How do you expect that depth to challenge some of the Ducks' younger guys tonight? Yeah, well, not only deep down the center, but big, mm-hmm. right? There Very isn't big. a guy. There isn't a guy that is under six foot three mm-hmm. in the center ice position for the Jets. You've got Mark Scheifele at six three. Same with Pierre Luc Dubois. You've got Adam Lowry at six six. Kevin Stenland at six four. Uh, interesting because they are solid and and they're going to try to to win that face off. Although their face off percentage, despite the fact that they are big in stature, isn't as as great and isn't as high as you think it probably should be, uh, but they are very quick and and maneuverable up the middle, and they're they're hard to contend with, and they're hard to contend with down low. Um, certainly, I always think when it's a younger team, they're going to look at um, you know that team that they're facing and say, okay, if I'm a centerman and I'm a younger guy, how can I play? And what are these guys doing when I'm on the bench? Not necessarily in your shift, but watching the other shifts when you're on the bench. So. Hard to contain. I think you build with strength up the middle. And the Winnipeg Jets, that's one of their great assets is they do have some big bodies that can skate and uh, and maneuver and also put the puck in the net and generate points in the middle. Uh, the one guy to always watch is Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, he mm-hmm. seems to always drag one or two players with him whenever he has the puck. And then his greatest asset is being able to distribute to other wingers like Nikolai Ehlers or Kyle Connor or or Blake Wheeler or Nito Niederreiter, whoever he's playing with, and then get the puck to them. And he also plays with a bit of an edge to him as well. So I think that that helps. But yeah, the Winnipeg Jets up the middle are big and strong. And I think that's how you build an NHL team. Paul Edmonds, thank you so much for joining us today on DuckStream. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. Anaheim Ducks fans, you have to meet our new team dog, Daisy. She is absolutely adorable. Welcome her to the Ducks family. You can head on over to our social media to see the video of her interacting with the guys. And she was, as we like to call it, drafted from the Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue just recently. She's already been in our office a couple times. And let me tell you, she is an absolute joy. I cannot wait to have her around some more. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more hockey talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.